0: Behind the Velvet Rope is thrilled to welcome Miss Dorinda Medley for a special two-day event to celebrate the official release of Make It Nice, her incredibly candid memoir. In Make It Nice, Dorinda opens the doors of Bluestone Manor, her Berkshire sanctuary, welcoming fans into her beloved home. In her first ever written life story, Make It Nice, Durinda clips away all pretense and noise to unveil the not-so-glamorous bumps in the road that have marked her colorful journey toward becoming the person viewers, colleagues, and friends know and love today. This is a vulnerable and emotional account of love, motherhood, loss, and the not entirely planned adventure from her modest beginnings in the Berkshires to the woman we see before us today. You may think you know Dorinda, from watching her six seasons on Real Housewives of New York City. But let us not forget, she started on that show at almost 50 years old. Dorinda has lived an entire life before joining Housewives. And this book details it all. She has lived an entire life since leaving Housewives. We are going to talk to Dorinda over the next two days, learn more about her, her story, some of the things she's had to overcome in life. If you think you know Dorinda, you don't. I can't wait for you guys to listen to this special two-day chat. And when you're done, this is only the tip of the iceberg. As much as you're going to learn about Dorinda in this fun-filled chat over the next two days, don't take my word for it. Make It Nice is out tomorrow, August 17th in bookstores everywhere. It is such a good read, guys. I can't wait for you to read it. But now grab your martini, pour yourself a glass of wine. Bluestone Manor bourbon is not out, but Dorinda's working on it soon. So until then, drink what you have, kick back, and enjoy. We have a fun two days. Guys, Miss Dorinda Medley is here to make it nice. And at least for the next two days, you won't have to say, What are you doing here without Dorinda? everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we welcome philanthropist ally to the lgbtq community before it was en vogue reality <laughs> tv star and now author and i think we're about to say new york times bestselling author that's just my I, prediction
1: from your mouth to god that's for you does that,
0: oh first of all she's she has a, a fan that says yes the one and only, does everyone recognize that voice? Miss Dorinda, Dorinda Medley. I thank mean, you so much
1: for having me out today.
0: Thank you for being here, Dorinda. I you mean, you're
1: the only person I could do this with this at uh, this time of the afternoon because you know you're going right into my nap time. Dorinda, I would have woken up in the middle of the night if that's what you wanted just yeah. to oh, be able to
0: chat. Thanks. Well, how are you today knowing that your baby, make it nice, is about to be birthed to the whole world?
1: you know what? The whole process, the whole fear process, it's funny when you're writing it, you don't really ever think you're going to, it's real. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when you're filming, you don't really think it's real. I went through the whole panic time when I edited it because I was editing it. I would call up Simon Schuster and be like, I never said that. They're like, well, you wrote it. I mean, (laughs) because you're not really thinking about it. And so I kind of got over all the fears and got like, you have to really decide that you just have to go for it. And and keep stuff in that maybe will make other people uncomfortable because, you know, you don't, you don't want to be, you don't want to, I was very conscious of not doing anything that would step on the toes of his children or of Hannah. Cause I think a lot of the story is their story to tell. And I think I did a good job. I mean, some parts were so fun to write and other parts were more difficult to write.
0: Well, you know, you've accomplished so much in life and you've done so much. Like why was now the right time to kind of put your story out there?
1: Well, of course, you all know I was on pause. (laughs) Pause. Yes. And then it was the, it was sort of the trifecta, really. It was I was put on pause. Simon and Schuster had been asking me to write a book and I just never really, I just couldn't get my head around it. I think because I was, we were so busy in New York and just, I don't, you know, I never thought of myself as that interesting to write about. And then, of course, we had COVID. So all of a sudden I'm back, back at Bluestone Manor and this opportunity came up and I thought, why the hell not? Why not? You know, if the whole world is on pause, I can really take some time to do it right, as opposed to just trying to throw something together. Like I had time to really think it through. And actually, David, I used it like I really did use it like a job every day from like nine to three. I worked on that book. I took off for lunch, but that was my job because I'm not really a person that was hard for me. I'm a great talker. Like, listen, I could talk to you about l- l- dirty laundry, but trying to get that on paper is very difficult. And Hannah helped me so much because she is a writer. My daughter, she's a uh, you know a big, huge writer and academic. So she really helped to pull the great stories out of me because I have so many stories. But then I get in front of the computer and be like, I don't really have anything to say. You know, I can't imagine
0: Dorinda Medley with nothing to say was the process? Nothing to
1: write. Always nothing to write. To say. Nothing to write. Let me just,
0: was it harder than you expected? Cause I mean, I would expect
1: it to be extremely hard. I'm going to tell you something. My level, listen, this wasn't even a big, this wasn't even sort of big, like one of these dense books that people work on for years. I admire writers so much. It is such a discipline and it is so it's kind of torturous almost. Because even when you stop for the day, you're still thinking about it and it looms over you. Like, come back and write. You need to write. Or you'll be somewhere walking down the street. You'll think, oh, my God, I got to get that in my book. You know what I mean? I forgot about that. Yeah, it's um, like I, I, I just have a whole nother level of sort of admiration for writers because that is tough.
0: It is tough. How did you decide to get here? I'm Hannah thinking
1: cookbook the- next time.
0: Well. I'm thinking Cookbook. That's not a bad idea, you know. You are in the kitchen. I see you all the time at Blue Stone Manor. Isms, That one will be about this big, right? We can put it on a cocktail. But you know what? Or- that one will sell very well too. Listen, you already have your second and third book, Dorinda. Maybe you should call <laughs> yeah. Simon and Schuster after this talk. Yeah, guys, you know I spend all day talking to the Real Housewives from every city. Listen, I can't help it. All my friends are women. And as a self-respecting gay man, when we get together, nothing is off limits. What I hear from my friends all the time is that when they turn to high-quality underwear, sleepwear, and loungewear, the only place they go is Third Love. Third Love has cup sizes ranging from AA to I, including exclusive half cups. And lounge and sleepwear comes in sizes XS to 3X, with such a large variety of sizes, what happens? The fit ends up being perfect. There's a really easy fitting room quiz to take when shopping at 3rd Love. It's like a personal shopper. It's very interactive. The quiz focuses on size, breast shape, current fit issues, and someone's personal style to help deliver bras and underwear that are the perfect fit for you. The fitting room has helped 18 million women find their true bra size, and you could be next. And what I love is that the perfect fit is promised. They stand behind their products. If you don't love the fit from Third Love, exchanges and returns are free. That's right. They're free. And what I also love about Third Love is that they give back. They're the largest donor of undergarments in the US. They've helped donate over $40 million in product to help women make powerful life changes. Listen, 3rd Love knows you deserve to feel comfortable and confident 24-7. So right now they're offering all of you, my listeners of Behind the Velvet Rope, 20% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash velvet now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 20% off your first order purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash velvet for 20% off today. How was it? How did Hannah get involved? Like, I know that she's, you know, able to help it. It was that like a conscious decision. Did she ask
1: or, Well, hey, I mean, as everyone knows, Hannah and I, Hannah's involved in everything in my life. Hannah's a huge part of my life. We were really, we kind of, she obviously doesn't live with me anymore, but she's just always engaged in my life and excited about what I'm doing. And as she was a writer and the fact that I was writing, she was very excited about it. And she thought it was time. She really did. She was like, this is a great thing for you, mom. You've lived such a colorful, interesting life. And I don't feel like she said something really interesting that really made it exciting. She said, I feel like a lot of people just know this one side of you but there's so many sides of you that got so many things that got you to here, And I just want them to see the mom, you know, the daughter. And it is true because listen, I, it happens when you're on TV, they can't show, you know, the, you, they can't show all sides of you. You're kind of the side of that real housewife in New York. But it, takes, it took a lot of years to get me to that place. As I said before to someone, you know, I'm sort of a, a, a baked cake and I kind of just, you guys just saw one piece of it. You know what I mean? So it was nice to sort of give them a lot more of the cake, I thought. Yeah,
0: I mean, you've had, I think you started at 50, right? So like you've had a whole life before joining the New York Housewives. That's right. So there you go. And you I mean, I've
1: always heard about these little tidbits of when I lived in London or when I grew up in Great Barrington or, you know, but it was, I thought it would be fun for the viewer to sort of get to know me a little better and talk to people about, you know, I really wanted, People to know that it, you can not be if you work hard and slow and steady wins the race and you just keep going and you have a vision and you have a hope, just kind of go for it. But just try to do it as a, as honestly as you can. And if you make some flop ups, it's okay. I mean, I've made plenty of flop ups.
0: That's good advice. What about you know? Because Hannah was involved and you were putting it out there, was there anything that you thought was you know like too embarrassing or like you didn't want to share with her or the world really? that you kind of second-guessed it, but then you put it in anyway or didn't put it in?
1: Not really. You know, I'm pretty pretty much of an open book. You know me from, you know, the show. You know me from outside the show. I'm pretty okay with myself, you know. I I mean, I'm pretty okay with myself, you know. You know my attitude. Like me, like me, don't like me. That's okay, too. We'll all get along. We'll live.
0: I mean, that's what I thought. I wouldn't expect you to not include anything, but you know, you never know. I figured the only thing I did was change
1: some names for the protection of wives and things, like you know, because I didn't want any crazy wife coming after me just saying I said something about their now husband. And you know they would. And.
0: How did you remember everything from so long ago? Like, did Hannah help? Did you use the old photos? I'll tell you how I
1: did it. That's such a good question, David, because you know what? I'll tell you how I did it. And I helped. I went to my mom and dad's and took out every single photo album, every year book, and just sat with them. And my mother is from that old school where every photo album is a year. Remember when mm. your parents used to do that kind of stuff? We don't yeah. do that anymore. But my mother had, you know, 1964 1965 so it really could walk me through right up through when I would well even later and then I would through all my yearbooks and then I would through all my pictures and um then I went through my wedding albums and it's really interesting because I was such different people on each of those times yeah. like I really revisited that girl again I'm like that's right I was that girl and it really—it was a nice process. Listen, I gotta tell you, there are some parts of it I was very easy to write, like motherhood and that—that that, you know part of my life. And there were other parts that were really difficult to write, which was kind of reliving that time with Richard. Because although you guys know my husband passed away, I've never really talked about the process and what it meant to me personally and to my family, and what the day to day of it kind of looked like. You guys just know, you know, I wasn't Mrs. Medley anymore. And that was the hardest part of the audiobook to do. Strangely, the two hardest parts of the audiobook to do were talking about my grandparents. Because I forgot how important my, I didn't forget, that's the bad word. You know, we get so stuck in life that we forget the things that sort of made us who we are. And my grandparents were such a huge part of my life. And they've been gone for so long that it was nice to visit them again.
0: I talk to so many people on this show that when I run into someone or have them back on the show and they remember my name, I'm always blown away. It's the little details. And when it comes to sheets, the only place I turn is bowl and branch. Why? Because they pay attention to the little details. Boll Branch was formed by a husband and wife team that set out to give sleepers more choices for high quality sheets at a fair price. And boy, did they ever accomplish that. What I love is the variety of colors. I chose the pewter mainly because it goes best with my apartment. The sheets are so elegant. They look and feel so sophisticated. Suff- sophisticated, but the price is so reasonable. That's why I chose them. They're hundred percent organic cotton. They are made toxin free. And what I love is they get softer with every wash sheets that look high end sophisticated and elegant, but are affordable. Sign me up. And that is why I did sign up. These are the only sheets I will now use. And you guys need to check this out. So listen, you can try them worry free for 30 nights with free shipping and returns To experience the best sheets you've ever felt, choose Bowling Branch. And because you're listening to this podcast, you get an exclusive 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code VELVET at BowlingBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L and B-R-A-N-C-H.com, promo code VELVET. That makes sense, too. I mean, I was going to ask you because a lot of writers, you know, it's either joyful to revisit all the memories or it, it is hard, I would imagine, to revisit sure. some of them. How was it for Hannah since she was so involved in the book, like with the stuff with Richard? Like, was that hard for her to kind of relive that?
1: Yeah. I mean, we definitely had our moments of crying. Or we would stop and, and, you know, I would read something to her and she'd say, and she'd be like, yeah, I remember that that wasn't a good time. Or I can't believe you did that. You would like, she would say stuff that I would, you know, when I was talking about my teenage years or my young years, she's like, I can't believe you were that girl because, you know, I'm only mom to her. She doesn't realize that I was once a, you know, a young girl wanting all the things that she wanted and having dreams. And I had a mom. She said to me the Thing that really blew her mind is that how I talk about my mom as my mom, where she said, You don't talk about her like that, you talk about her as grandma. And she kind of said, I had small, I was like, That's right, she's your mother. I've never, she said, I know that sounds crazy, but sh- you talk about grandma the way I talk about you. I said, Yes, because she's my mother.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. So, but that you know, was like, as a canvas, from Anna's point of view, she's been grandma. She was never my mother, like in that sense of the way.
0: Have Have they read the book? Like, have has Hannah read it, and has that? Yes. people in your life read it.
1: But people in my life have read it; they've loved it. I just sent a copy to one of my brothers, so that'll be interesting to see what they they say. I think they'll like it. I mean, I think I was pretty accurate about each one of them. And my mom, my mom and dad say they've read it, but I think they've just looked at the pictures. But we're we don't. <laughs> Maybe
0: they'll read it eventually.
1: I really do. I'm like, Dad, did you read the book? Oh, boy, those pictures. Boy, oh, those are some good looking pictures you got in there. I'm like, I know, but did you And the dedication to your mother and Hannah, so beautiful. Anyway, you're, you're like, what
0: about on page or chapter?
1: So, so the truth is, they say yes, but I don't buy it for a second. And that's okay. They're just, you know what it is? My mom is so sweet. My dad is so sweet. So I go, the first day I give it to them, it's on the shelf and, of course, beautifully presented on the mantle. Okay. I said, you know, I'm the only child that wrote a book. So, of course, the first day I go, they got the front cover on. So I'm like, oh, look at that. My book is on the mantle. That's great. Yeah. I go back the next day, the back side of the book, it's been turned, is on the mantle. So she goes, oh, I'm just going to keep rotating it so we have a different look, you know, and so we can see both sides. <laughs>
0: That's I good. love that. Well, it is like you said, like, I think a lot of people watched you on TV. I mean, as I read this book, I learned things about you. Like, I didn't know that you spent time in Hong Kong.
1: Can you imagine? Did you know I got lost there?
0: I've been to Hong Kong. I can't imagine. I mean, it's easy to get and that lost. And
1: back I- in time where there were no cell phones. Wow. Think about that. No cell phones, no nothing. So, you know, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I don't. I mean, how am I going to get back? It, it, you know, and I didn't grow up being well-traveled. I mean, I was lucky to go to, you know, Mystic, Connecticut for the, you know, for, for a weekend yeah. to stay at the Star Hotel. This was literally like going to a whole nother, well, was a whole nother world. And I didn't know how to navigate it. But that's what sort of like, that's the good news is I think being, having had the opportunity to live abroad so early in my life really created a lot of independence and curiosity. And I think a lot of the visuals that I love now with color and fabric and entertaining and hosting is because I kind of did have all those experiences.
0: Yeah. I think that absolutely helped.
1: It definitely influenced me.
0: What about how was the process of just writing this at Bluestone Manor, you know, like the iconic Bluestone Manor, like, was COVID, like, was it nice to just, you know, spend time with your thoughts? this is a
1: writer's haven, don't you think? Yeah. This is a great, I mean, you can get really deep being a writer at Bluestone Manor. You'll walk the gardens and be very heavily into it and, you know, sit in all the, I have so many different sitting places at Bluestone Manor that, you know, you can just wander anywhere and write for an hour. This is the perfect haven to walk because it definitely, definitely Even when you're not writing, it's a place to think. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings
1: are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. It's a place to reminisce. It's a place to kind of let your mind go free a little bit. It just is. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean
0: Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics in Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
1: Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, it has a literary feel. It does. Yeah. And it's
1: sort of, you know, I, I say to people. I was saying to someone yesterday. People talk about. I'm doing this. Um, I'm doing this partnership with Airbnb, and where they're doing an experience here, which I think is going to be hugely successful. Wow. Um, but, pe- you know it's almost like Blue Star has become an urban legend. So I think when, me, so I saw so even sometimes when I come on a Zoom and I have this, they're like, oh my God, you're, you're really in that room. I'm like, well, it is a real place. I mean, I, I'm not like Cinderella at the Disney castle. You know what I mean?
0: This wasn't something that was hired and rented for filming.
1: Well, that's why the fish room thing was always endlessly so funny because when people were like going out about the fish room, I'm like, I didn't make the room for the housewives, I had a 12-year-old stepson that stayed in there. But people really, and if I tell you, David, the outrage when I had that room redecorated, people were like, I can't believe you're doing that. Please, So I finally had to tell them. I still have the fish in there. I just changed the wallpaper and gave it an update. But literally, people take ownership over rooms in my house.
0: So it still has all the fish?
1: It has the fish.
0: It'll okay. be, everybody
1: can calm down. The fish are still in the fish room.
0: People were upset, Dorinda.
1: They were. I mean,
0: did you ever think that you'd have to, like, put it out to the masses and, like, maybe, you know, say, does everyone approve of this before I redo my own house?
1: To be honest with you, David, I did have a pause where I'm thinking people might... I, honest to God, said to Marshall Watson, my interior decorator at the time we were redoing it, I said, I don't... I think people are going to be mad at me. And you know, he doesn't really watch the show. He's known me for like 30 years. He's like about what I said, because my, he's like, I don't get it, but this is your room. You can't redecorate. I said, it's just so big. You're just so, I said the way I came in the fish room and we went out for two seasons, not 19 seasons. And you know, it, everything was that season. Everything was the fish room. I'll come stay at the fish room. I could have rented that fish room out probably 5,000 times.
0: I think so. I really yeah. do. If what it is-, also
1: is terribly wrong? I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell folks. Uh, people can come and take a photo in front of this painting. And then people can go stay in the fish room for the night. And I will serve them breakfast. How's that sound?
0: Dorinda, I think if you put a link up on your bio for that, you would be sold out probably for the next year. And they're going to want a picture with you, too. But you'll, you'll, you'll throw that in. Yeah, I'll throw it in for free. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check out betterhelp.com slash velvet rope. Listen, life is full of stress. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. Life is stressful. You may not be feeling down and out and depressed or like you're at a total loss. But if your stress level is high, like mine, your temper is shorter than usual like mine, or even if you're starting to feel strained in any of your relationships, you could probably use the chance to unload. Unload the stress and get it out. Talk to someone who's completely unbiased and who's not going to judge you or take sides. If there's stuff you can't tell your friends or family, this is the place to do it. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's a much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Unload the stressors and get some unbiased feedback. You'd be pretty surprised at what you might gain for it. Try it out. See if it's for you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and behind the Velvet Rope listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash velvet rope. That's B. E T T E R H E L P dot com slash velvet rope betterhelp.com slash velvet rope i expect that you're gonna hear from a lot of people that have lost a spouse or a loved one because this book really does i think deal with the grieving process well you know so i think this book, and what a gift a that
1: is! That that conversation has gotten more comfortable to have. I think that's one of the greatest things that came out of being on the Housewives. Is not only that opportunity, and sort of like for me coming, going on after Richard died and Hannah went to college, it was very sort of a great opportunity to sort of express myself and do something different, and and it was kind of therapeutic. Um I cannot tell you how many people have reached out to me throughout the years that were widows or lost a family member. Because I even said it at the time. I remember after Richard died, someone said to me, um, when did you become a widow? And I'm like, wait a second. I'm, it's such such a weird word for a young person. A young, not that I was young, but in the widow world, I was a yeah. younger widow, right? I was 46. And I always thought to myself, there's really no conversation about that for women that lose their husbands when they're sort of in the midst of their marriage with them, right? You, you kind of feel bad and terrible when it happens when people are older, but it's, there's some sort of acceptance about it. That's just weird. Sort of, and people, you know, grief is such a weird thing. People want you to do it and get over it. And you don't really get over grief. As I said to someone just the other day that I was just talking to about it because she lost her father. She said, it's been a year and I don't feel like it's getting any better. I said, well, here's the thing about grief. You're just going to have to accept. There's not one day where you're like, okay, I'm done with that now. Said, you're, that's forever now. That's part of you. I said, I, said, I, said, I think the grief kind of stays the same if it were a ball, but you get bigger. You see what I'm saying? So the grief feels less, but it never goes. It's not like losing a purse. I mean, I think I said that one time on the show. It's not like you lost a purse and you get over it. You know, it's a human. And you, you, you get, you know, you move away from it. You start a new life. You get new friends. You, you know, things become distant memories. But you will always have. To this day, I'll have a moment outside where I'll be like, God, I really wish Richard were here. And it just is that brief moment where he's present for me. And then I go back to my life again, you know? What about
0: was, cause I mean, like you said, it never really goes away. Was this cathartic though, in that sense and writing about Richard or you've dealt with it and you're, you know, it it's, was it's very cathartic.
1: It was very, not that I ever forgot, but my God, I love that guy. You know what I mean? I got to really realize we really did have a beautiful, like I am, I've gone, I, I went from being, you know, sort of like maybe angry or disappointed that we had such a short time together to really so grateful. Like I would do, if someone came to me tomorrow and said, you're going to meet this great guy, but from beginning to end, it's only going to be eight years and he needs to go. Would you do it? I'd do it all over again. Like, I don't look at it anymore. It's like, I got gypped. You know what I mean? I look at it. God, what a lucky, that was a lucky time. And it was at such a fortuitous time because Hannah was like a 10 years old. So it was like, what a great time for her to have this wonderful stepfather in her life.
0: I think that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. You know, some people don't experience that type of love ever.
1: That, that's right. He was a real, you know, what was I about uh, Richard? He was a real partner.
0: Right. And that, you know, you and I both know many marriages that are just, you look and you're like, it's not my place to judge, but this isn't what I personally want in terms yeah. of love.
1: Yeah. You I mean, I thing. was sincerely, listen, we don't, for, don't, don't be fooled. We had our knockdown drag like the rest of them. And I be like, I was that's life right yeah but you know generally every day I was happy to see him. you know what I mean like oh there's Richard again and he'd always say to me every morning good morning Mrs. is did I tell you I'm the luckiest man in the world and finally I'd be like oh stop with that baloney okay you're like enough well one thing I also learned in the
0: book about you which I never knew is you opened up about like your struggle with anorexia and body dysmorphia which I never knew before Can
1: you imagine? You know, and that was definitely, and I also think I think writing that I think what I Hannah and I were just talking about it the other day because I'm I think like probably a lot more women suffer or have suffered from either anorexia or body dysmorphia because it's just so present in our life. It's just so like from a very early age we are given image and fashion and cues of how a woman should look or they want to look and. A lot of that is being thin or fit or whatever the rage is, right? Yeah. But you could see how it, it can happen. And I always loved fashion so much, right? And I really wanted to be in fashion. So, of course, I'm like, you know, 14, 15 reading Vogue books. And also, too, I think, I don't know this because I'm not a medical doctor, but for me, a lot of the anorexia, that tendency and anorexia stuff and having issues with food was control. Because I was so competitive that it was the one thing I could control.
0: I think personally, I think that's what a lot of eating disorders are. Again, I mean, I'm not a psychic, but I really do think so, honestly.
1: Yeah, it's the one thing that my mother could, you know, I felt like, huh, no one can make me do this. You can make me go to school. You can make me, you know, do chores. You can make me go to church. You can make, but this, this is mine. And it's the one thing where I could see results. So this diet, exercise, diet, exercise, diet, exercise really, really fed into my competitive sort of mentality because I'm very competitive.
0: That's an interesting way to look at it, but I agree. I think that's what it is. And I think the more people tell you, stop, you're getting too thin. You're like, you can't make me. So now it's really, yeah. And then,
1: you know, each one becomes another bar to meet. I even, you know, listen, I think we even do it in this day. You'll start working out again and you start working out for three weeks and you start working out for four weeks. Then before you know it, you feel bad that you're not working out on the weekends. You know, anything can, it's not an immediate thing. It's a slow tumble into this kind of situation. And then before you know it, you're in it.
0: Do you think it's even worse today? You know, like with TikTok and Instagram and social media, where it is
1: you know i don't know that because i just don't have young a young daughter in my life anymore you know and hannah's a full-grown woman and stuff but it's definitely something that i was aware of when hannah was growing up because i didn't want to hand that down to her you know what i mean my my kind of freaky control things and she's much but Hannah's a much more relaxed kind of person than i am she's more her father she is She's yeah. relaxed. She, she tends more to the British side.
0: They're always a little more relaxed.
1: Yeah. She said, you know, she doesn't really go out. She doesn't love a lot of people around. She's always waiting. She's very academic. She just got a much more Zen sort of thing, which is funny that God put her with me, right? Because.
0: This is why you guys are best friends. You balance each other out. Yeah. What is she up to these days? She's in the city and working she's in and doing the
1: city. It yep. She's working. Um, She's back at school. She's just a big old academic. She's a great kid, Hannah. She likes to stay in the, in the, in, uh, off to the corner, even on the show, you barely saw her. She'd take, she'd do those, you know, appearances once in a while, like, uh, like, you know, an endangered species. She'd come out of the wild for one scene and then she'd go back in that. That's not her thing.
0: Is she happy that you're off the show and just,
1: Hannah's just happy when I'm happy. You know, she kind of goes along with my decisions, whatever I make. Yeah, she's pretty, Hannah's very supportive of me, thank God.
0: That's good. What about, I mean, the me- one of the messages I took away from this book kind of is, you know, no matter what, we have to just keep, you know, life kicks you, but you have to get up and keep moving. Like, it, it, did I
1: take one of the messages away correctly? That is a huge message. You just cannot get stuck. You can't get stuck in one bad decision or one bad move. You know, it truly is, you know, Maya Angela said about, you know, the rain, the thunderstorms eventually stop. And my mother would always say, she'd always say, oh, remember it, it, it when it is, it may be night, but it's going to be day. And when it's day, remember, it's going to be night again. You're, you can never get away from that. So don't get too worried about either. And it is so true that you just have to just kind of sometimes stay focused stay on course you know really just know that if you, you just keep moving you can get out of just about anything it may take time it may cause you to go into a different direction it may present you in a different situation than you expected but you know I always say you know sometimes in life you think you're going to France but you end up in Italy but that's okay enjoy Italy. Get a, you know what I mean just shift be, be that person that can be malleable and shift and change if needed. Because I think that's when we get in trouble in life when we're too rigid and we think everything is it. That's the forever. That's it. I'm done. Because I know myself I've done that. I'm like, it's so terrible. I'm never going to be the same again. And then, you know, two weeks later, you're having a ball somewhere. You're like, well, that's not okay. Because you'd be surprised how we keep thinking we know, just like a book with the last chapters. We think we got it all figured out, but we don't. The chapter shifts all the time and that's okay. Yeah. I never thought of 56. I'd be a widow. If you told me 10 years ago, which has been dead 10 years. So now longer than that, if you told me 15 years ago that in 15 years, you're going to be a widow, you know, stay in a blue stone on a reality show uh, doing what I'm doing. I would have never believed it. I would have never, I would be like, Oh, what are you talking about? Right. That's never happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And just like that.
0: Life could change.
1: And you know what's interesting, David? I was thinking about it the other day, you know, because I'm doing, um, it's Richard's 10 year anniversary. So I've been sort of thinking about him and what I'd like to do. And we're setting up a, there's one uh, apple tree from the original uh, fruit orchard on the property um, that is actually very, very old. And I shocked it two years ago because I said, if it doesn't grow back, we'll just rip it. We'll take it out. But if it does, and it's during COVID, it prospered. I mean, I'd actually fruit on it this year. So I thought I'd use that as a tribute to Richard for his 10 year anniversary and put baubles and light it up and just have him sitting on the property somewhere. So when I was down there sort of looking at it and taking those LED lights and just starting that, I thought, I wonder if Richard Medley would know me today. Like I've changed a lot since he's died. For I mean, I think for the better, but I'm a different person and that's okay. But I wonder, you know, like what would my conversation be with him now? Yeah. Cause he knew me as Mrs. Bentley. That was a very different world. Right. Yes. I mean, so, so I was really thinking, you know, God, it'd be interesting to have a conversation. And I, t- and I told him everything I've been up to the last 10 years. Right.
0: When you Is put that it an like,
1: interesting question?
0: Yes, because, well, first of all, I'm sure he'd be... Very proud of you for writing this book, first of all. Because Well, I
1: think you'd be very surprised that I wrote a book because the truth of the matter is he was the writer. He and Hannah were the writers and academics. And I was always the doer and the talker. He used to always say, I'm the math maker and you're the executor. And a map is no good without a good executor. So I was like, hooray, I love to execute, right? I was the big talker in the room. I was the one that wizarded up stuff. We were a great team in that way. So I remember saying to Richard one time, you know... I am such a great storyteller. I am probably one of the best cocktail party invitees people will ever have. I'm just interesting. I think I should write a book. He's like, oh, for God's sake, stop it. You can't close your mouth long enough to write a book. You don't have the patience. People that write books are like to be alone, like to be isolated, yeah. don't like to talk to people. He said, don't write a book. So I think more than anything, be going to be he would be very surprised that I actually wrote this
0: book what about the fact that you know like you were on tv you're walking down the street people think they know everything about you you made money with that like
1: find that fascinating because richard was sort of the big shot in our family you know he was the one that was this one's speech writer and you know and this and dignitaries and all that but and i loved that about him and i loved being the missus to that mister right yeah But what would richard menthey think if he saw me walking down the street and someone yelled out like they do, you made it nice. I mean, how many times? Or clip clip. Do you know to this day, I still hear that probably 15 times a week.
0: Do you hear that or clip clip more?
1: I hear mostly you made it nice from cabs or I hear what are you doing here without Dorinda? From cabs, wow. Yeah. And then of course, there's always the one I thought people that lean over to me you know, while they're walking by, they get up all their courage in the world and I'll be sitting in the restaurant and, and you know, someone will come. It just happened to me the other night in the shoot. I tell you how I'm doing. Bitch. It's so great to see you Dorinda. The- that's my <laughs> personal to tell favorite. They up all this courage to say that. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's great.
0: That's my personal favorite. What about, yeah. I mean, like so we everyone watches and thinks they know you. Like, what do you think is gonna shock people, you know, that have watched you on TV for six years the most out of this book? Oh, don't you worry. Dorinda answers that she answers the biggest misperceptions about herself, and lots of we're gonna get into so many things that you don't know about Dorinda in part two. I really have learned a lot about Dorinda from reading this book and this chat. And I listen, I've been saying this every time I speak to you guys. You don't know these people that we see on TV. They're so different in real life. And just, I don't know. We have a really fun chat plan for tomorrow. And yes, yes, yes. We do bring up R-H-O-N-Y and the current season and the ratings, and Leah, and everything you think you want me to bring up, we do get to. So, But we got a lot more before we get there. It's going to be a great day tomorrow. We're going to talk more about Bluestone Manor, the bourbon. There's Bluestone Manor bourbon coming, so stay tuned for part two coming tomorrow, and hope you enjoy this. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow. Have a great day.